Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Backup Plan. My name is Meredith, and I hope that you know by now that I'm having a baby with my gay best friend because I'm saying it at the beginning of every episode. I think it's kind of obvious at this point. Uh, Exciting news. Michael is in the other room right now. That's right. He's here. We're your freezing sperm tomorrow. I'm going to go a little bit more in depth with what this whole trip has been about next week. Kim and I are going to record a podcast by the end of the week so that we can just recap everything that happened. But I mean, things are moving this week. Like it's happening. It's really happening. I am a little nervous. There may be mm, the slightest hitch. (sighs) I have a bum foot and I've had a bum foot for a long time. I did figure skating as a kid. And then I did Irish dancing as a kid. And also just heredity. I have bad feet. I had bunion surgery in 2021, 2022, 2021, my dad died, 2022, I got the bunion surgery in like May, April or May. And um, it was amazing. I had lapoplasty. If you have bunions, DM me because lapoplasty is 100% the way to go. Like the recovery time was very little. It's a surgery that corrects the issue rather than just cosmetically fixing it. I can't recommend it enough. And if you're in the Southern California area, Dr. Ebony Vincent in Orange County and Long Beach, oh, chef's kiss. Perfect. Anyway, I had that done, but I also have a Morton's aroma. This is turning into a foot podcast. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that the bunion surgery would correct the neuroma, as was my podiatrist, but it actually just shifted it to a place where it feels a hell of a lot worse. So I had something called cryosurgery on the foot. So this is now the third surgery I've had on this foot. And that was a needle directly into the nerve ending that froze it. And I had that done before I went to Europe with my mom and I didn't think it worked. It's wearing off now and I can tell you it did work (laughs) because I am in terrible pain. And the idea of putting like another 30 pounds of pregnancy weight on top of this foot that I am limping on. Literally two, three days ago is when this started wearing off. I've made an appointment with a podiatrist. We're going tomorrow before we go to the sperm freezing appointment. And thankfully, she has recently gone through IVF herself. And so I can go to her and be like, hi, I am at the precipice of doing this. Can we fit this nerve surgery in and then I can do what I need to do. I might have to put IVF off a month, which I don't want to do. But if I do, it might push us into the Capricorn territory uh, if the IVF takes. And that's something Michael and I are both pulling for. So I'll keep you guys up to date on that. I don't want it to get in the way, but it's also one of these things that I tried to get it taken care of before, but she went on maternity leave. And I was hoping the cryosurgery would be a more long-term fix. If worse comes to worse, I can do the cryosurgery again, but it was $400 and it only lasted like three months. So I would rather do the thing that'll actually get that fully taken care of. And then that'll be four surgeries on my right foot, but only one on my left foot. So anyway, now that we're done with foot surgery talk, as you guys know, I went to the PodFest Expo in Orlando, Florida. That was the end of last month. And I met some really cool folks, including... Gabby Garland, who is our guest today. So she runs a podcast production company. She is an amazing person. She runs a course where 
she helps women get out of tough situations and kind of move into their next level, which I think is really great. You know, sometimes in addition to therapy, you need a little bit of a community to help you move into your next space. And that's what she does. And she's and for all intents and purposes, man, she seems to be doing a really great job. And she's got personal experience because she found herself in a tough place. She found herself in an abusive relationship and had a kid. And then uh, her partner suddenly died. And then she found herself a single mom. And as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I don't necessarily want to hold myself to only talking about women who are single mothers by choice. I think there's a lot to learn and glean from single mothers, not by choice, which is what she found herself as. And she really built a community for her daughter. And her daughter is an absolute rock star. Like, I can't wait for you to hear her talk about her daughter and how wildly proud of her that she is. And also what a badass her daughter is. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to Gabby too was after being a single mother for 10 years, she put herself back out on the market and found exactly what she was looking for. And, you know, I've said time and time again, I'm happy. I don't necessarily need somebody to come along for the ride. But if I do decide that's something I want, I want to hear from somebody who's done it pretty successfully. So so enjoy that. It's an interesting story about like really determining exactly what you're looking for and going exactly for that. Gabby can be found online at gabby.garland on Instagram. Gabby's also got a podcast called the Resilient Heart Podcast, which yours truly may be on there soon, where she talks to people who have taken their traumatic journeys and found like a new way through, you know, which is kind of a little bit of what I'm doing here. So if you want to check her out online, probably the easiest way is to go to Instagram. She's Gabby.Garland, G-A-B-I-G-A-R-L-A-N-D. She can spell. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening this week and see you next week with Michael. Gabby, I'm so glad you could be here. I'm so glad that we made this work. I'm so glad that we connected at PodFest. That was really fantastic. Me too. Uh, but before we get into it, um, give me a little introduction about who you are and what you do and what uh, the joys of being a single mother when you were one. Um, so I am a CEO of a company that is two parts. So one part is the healing uh, components for women specifically. Uh, so it's all Reiki hypnosis, NLP, uh, soul work and shadow work uh, to really just help women step out of old stories and into their voice and into their power. And that turned into a podcast production company. So I ended up having a, ton, yeah, I ended up having a ton of clients that were, uh, you know, stepping out of that space and into another, and then they wanted to launch a podcast. And so we just ended up kind of going with it a little over two years ago. And so it's just been a pretty wild ride since, but I'm having an absolute blast. So I guess that's a blessing. <laughs> what I really loved about the conversation that we had, I explained to you what this podcast was about, which was very strange at that convention. Cause a lot of times it's a, pretty straightforward, like, oh, I have a podcast about, you know, coming through trauma, or oh, I have a podcast about video games. And I was like, hi. Um, so I am, uh, I do a podcast where I talk about cervical mucus and my own innards. <laughs> the looks on some of the faces, especially of the gentlemen, who none of them were awful, like every single one of them was very sweet, but I could tell we're like processing the like, how do I respond to this? I was smiling. You're like, what am I supposed to say right now? <laughs> Bless yeah. their hearts. But then when I started talking to you, you mentioned about how you've been a single mom in the past. You're happily married now. But 
what really resonated with me is part of the reason I started this podcast and started creating my own resources was because I couldn't find anything out there that was what I was looking for. And a lot of the single mother by choice stuff felt exclusionary of like a situation that you found yourself in. And I was like, I can learn so much from you as well. So whatever you're willing to share from your own story. by all Yeah. Um, really it's kind of a wild story. So, um, I met her father when I was really young. We actually met, um, in an AOL chat room way back in the day. So yeah, I was actually working for AOL at the time I was in one of the break rooms, just hanging out. You know, it's like you just hop into a chat room, like 18 year old female wants to chat, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super safe, super, super safe. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I ended up talking to him and he got on and stayed and talked to me that whole night that I was working. I worked 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. and or 5 yeah, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. And we ended up I ended up moving to Florida to be with him. Um it was unfortunately a domestic violence relationship. Uh very very tumultuous. Uh he suddenly passed away when she was 4. He was killed in a motorcycle accident and it was layers upon layers of so much of the work that I do with women is so much of the work that I wish I would have done much sooner in my life. The same thing I'm doing, like create the resource that you didn't have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, when he passed away, it was one part uh, guilt because, you know, if you've ever been in a domestic violence relationship or an abusive relationship in any capacity, uh, peace is something that you don't really get to experience. And mm. so I remember many, many, many nights praying for peace. And when he passed, then I felt awful. Like I had you know, like I asked for peace and then he died. And so this is my fault. And so there was all these layers and I didn't really have, you know, the emotional intelligence back then at 25 when he, when he died to unpack all of those layers and suitcases that I had uh, carried with me because of that relationship. But there was something that was really beautiful about it is I was really young when I had my daughter, I was 21. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was born a month after my 21st birthday. And so we literally got to grow up together and, you know, through this whole process of me healing and growing and changing and evolving, uh, we've had some really tough conversations about the things that we went through together, but kind of sharing with her some of my guilt for the ways that I was not a great mother because I wasn't, I mean, I was struggling in trauma, financial insecurity. Like there was just layers upon layers of a messy, some created by myself. And some of it was just kind of environmental based upon what I had gone through. And she had the most beautiful perspective when I apologized to her for what we had gone through as she was like, uh, I'm really happy with who I turned out to be. And so if anything would have been different, I wouldn't be who I am. And so I like, you don't have to feel bad for everything mm-hmm. that we went through. And so it's just, I think, especially single moms get such a rap about your kids are going to be on welfare and they're going to have 75 babies and they're, you know, <laughs> never going to move out of your house. And, and so to get to participate and get to witness her go out into the world and blaze her own trail has been really beautiful. It's also really humbling because um, it's in spite of everything that she didn't have for me. And I think um, we joke that she was born like a 35 year old, lovely young lady <laughs> when she was a baby. So that's the same thing my parents said about me <laughs> the exact same age too. <laughs> <laughs> So how old is she now? And what is she up to now? So she's 20. She'll be 24 in June. And she uh, at 16 decided she wanted to be a uh, volunteer firefighter and EMT. So she was took all these certifications. uh, And then she became a paid firefighter and EMT. And then she did that from 16 to 20. 
And then at 20, she went into the police academy and uh, is now a police officer. She's training with the SWAT team and she's going to be one of the instructors for the uh, range, for the the, uh, shooting range for the academy. She's a literal badass. Like it's, I raised an actual superhero. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's cool to watch it where I'm just like, oh my gosh, at 24, I was not like that. Like I was not. Yeah. Yeah. So when she, when you were still together with her father, so were you with him for the whole four years before he passed? No, it was with, and I think this is kind of a true statement for a lot of women that are in domestic violence relationships. You leave and then you go back and you leave and you go back. And I yeah. think the statistically they say it takes about seven times before you finally leave an abuser and be gone. And I wish that I could say that once I left, I wasn't going to go back, but I genuinely believe uh, I would not have ever left in some capacity because one, he knew how important having a family was for me, but he also knew because I grew up in a very Catholic environment, the shame that I felt for having a baby out of wedlock. Mm. And so it was kind of his way to draw me in to kind of trap me, which everybody right. else talks about girls trapping boys and sometimes boys trap girls. And that's kind of what happened to me, honestly. Right. And uh, we weren't together actually at the time I was actually dating somebody else, but we had about a two week period before he died we were actually getting along. Like we weren't, we would sometimes get on the phone and scream at each other and hang up. Like it was really, really toxic, really, uh, really disrespectful relationship. Right. And about two weeks you know, leading up to him passing away, we were, there was like a peacefulness um, to our oh, dynamic. Gosh, that's the worst. That, that's, yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was, but then at the same time, it was like, at least we weren't throwing down when he died. Like it, there was yeah. a part of me that was like, that's sad. But then there was another part of me that I think I would have felt even worse if I was like the last thing I ever said to him was absolutely hateful. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then I think I would have been an extra layer of unpacking and therapy that I would have had to go through to figure those, those conversations and that, that understanding out. Wow. Yeah. So after he passed, what was, what was your living situation at that time? Like when, when did it hit you that like, I'm a single mother now. And how did you react? Like, what was your first kind of knee jerk? Um, my first one is, uh, was kind of horror, to be honest with you. It was a yeah. pretty uh, devastating thing. Uh, I had already gone to bed and he, I was actually staying with living with my parents at the time. And he was out and I had talked to him earlier that day, actually. Mm-hmm. He, we used to buy and sell cars from auction when we were together and so he was picking up a, a motorcycle and he was going to drop it off at one of the storages. And then someone was going to come purchase it. And he was hit when he was on the motorcycle and actually died um, shortly after he didn't, wasn't, it wasn't anything. It was like, go to see him. And the thing that I think was the hardest about it. And it was trying to try to understand was I needed to see that he was actually dead. I know that probably sounds super morbid, no, but when you have been, manipulated and gaslit and abused and um uh, tortured like I mean it was really like he he was he was a very not kind man and when he passed away I we my daughter and I flew to Florida for his funeral and I didn't let her see him because the terms of the accident he did not look like himself in the face um but I I his hands will, will always stand out to me because his hands were so um, so big and so strong. And it was yeah. one of those, like, I needed to see that 
for me to know that I was really at peace at that point. Like he was gone. We weren't going to be um, running anymore. We weren't going to be hiding from him. We weren't going right. to be having to go back and forth to court. So it's, it was a, a lot. I don't think that I understood until much later uh, all the emotions that were kind of wrapped up in those years spent with him. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. wild. So, I mean, at least yeah. you had, you were with your family and you had a mm-hmm. place that you, you don't have to worry about switching locations or anything like that. So yeah. at least you had that, but how long would you say that you really felt and were a single mother? Cause I know you're happily married now. So when did you meet your husband now? So my daughter was, that was 2013, 2014 when we met. So she was 14. And so she was already like, you know, like I said, she was already a grown woman. Yeah. Uh, but we met, we actually met online and so he hadn't, he didn't even meet her till about a year and a half after we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just very like guarded when it came to her as far as it wasn't because I was worried about him specifically, but it's just, I think a lot of times single moms will, because we want to be with somebody. Um, I made this mistake myself where it's like, you know, nobody wants to be lonely. Nobody wants to feel like they don't have anybody who loves them or to come home to. And too often, especially for single moms, especially when you go through any type of uh, domestic violence or an abusive or just an unhealthy relationship, you end up getting these uh, unhealthy attachments to people and to uh, you, you miss a lot of red flags and you, you know, it's just like, just because I want someone to love me, I'm surrendering so much of what I need to be mindful of. And I think the, the sad part of it was one, I made it take longer for me to get better and be happy, but two, um, at four, it wasn't really that different when he died because he wasn't allowed to keep her by himself. Uh, Mm. we didn't, you know, there was like the, the trade-offs of her was with, through my father. And so it was very distanced. And so I did that by design just for her protection and, And then when he died, it was like, okay, well, it was, it was still really difficult to obviously tell your child that her father is dead because she's four and she understands, but she also later, we had conversations about things that she actually saw. And I understood so much more of what I thought I had shielded her from that she actually experienced. And so Mm. it was, you know, it's peace. It really is peace. And people are always like, Oh, he's dead. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that is that is God's protection. That is God's blessing because it was it was a really hard um, many years with him. Yeah. So yeah. for uh, you know when you say that you wanted to protect her and and that you didn't want to give up a piece of yourself, like I totally get that. I guess please excuse my cat. He's very interested in the conversation <laughs> as well. I keep very gently pushing him this way, but he just really wants to get in the camera. Um, how, how long did it take for you? Was dating a priority? Was meeting somebody a priority? And and if, if so, when did that become a priority? Uh, I dated a little bit, but I also understood fairly quickly that I, my version of what a relationship was supposed to look like was clearly not what normal behavior was. Mm. Uh, I didn't understand, like, to give you an example, because I had been so used to literally physically getting into fistfights with this man. Uh, You know, if like I was dating somebody, the guy that I was dating when when he actually passed away, 
if he would do something that would irritate me, I would literally just backhand him. And it just, it was just a natural reaction. It was just like a reflex. And I remember one night he pulled me aside and he was like, and I did that. And he like grabbed both my hands. He's like, people don't do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything. He was like, people don't smack them other people when they don't like what they say or their joke. He's like, that's not normal. And I was like, huh. So I ended up going to anger management and trying to figure out initially, like kind of what, what was even going on with me. So um, it's been, I was single. I had a couple relationships here and there, a couple um, really great guys that I met and I uh, would do everything in my humanly power to run them away because if yeah. you would know anything about trauma, when, when something is safe and you're used to chaos, then you yeah. create chaos in a safe environment or you do what I did and I would just tuck tail and run. And yeah. so I think when you think about being a single mom, there's, there's a protection piece that I feel like is essential for, for moms. Uh, you can't open up the newspaper and see a, a single mom that made a really, you know, a really great guy from work. And then she moves in with him because it's easier to have, two people in the house and he can help with the child. And then they end up killing these babies. And I think this happens like those, those ones always give me a visceral reaction because I know that feeling of wanting so much to have somebody to love you and to be happy and to have a family and then surrendering yourself to environments that are unhealthy. And then your kids end up paying that price or women get, you know, stuck in these different cycles and um, single mom life is not for the faint of heart. But I also think, there are so many blessings of it too that people don't realize where it's like, I never had to really share her. She wasn't yeah. anybody else's but mine. So it was yeah. like any decision that's mom. Like I got it. I know. And I'm so glad I don't have to compromise with anybody. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, for me, obviously I'm coming from a place of extreme privilege of, you know, being able to do this because it's my choice. And because, yeah. you know, I have the support of my mother ready to go. And I have the support of my friend ready to donate and everything. So I'm so, so, so blessed, incredibly no, blessed. Um, it's beautiful. I love it. Like I loved your story when you were telling me and you were probably you. like, why is she so excited? I'm like, no, I freaking love this. Like this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's a, it's a best case scenario and it's something I'm really happy of and proud of. And I have so many people that are like, don't worry, you'll find a guy. And I'm like, or I don't, or like, that's not part of, that's not a part of the equation. That's not a part that I'm like, he's not even concerned about it. This little cat over here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just, what I'm, you know, kind of looking into the future with you a little bit to like, you are with somebody that you're incredibly happy with. You've had another mm-hmm. child who is how old? Mm-hmm. He'll be five in uh, next month. Was your relationship with him totally different? Like, when you met him, was it just, this is what it's supposed to be. I feel safe. I feel happy. Like, were you seeking him or was it just some divine plan? Well, it's kind of funny. So uh, I was working, I was in network marketing at the time. So I had the kind of the flexibility to be able to work from anywhere. And it was my daughter's 13th birthday, I believe. Yes. 13th birthday. And I uh, had decided I was going to take my daughter and her, her two best friends on a like a birthday trip to Denver. We lived in New Mexico at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a whole road trip and I got them their own hotel room. I was right across the hall from them so they could have like their girls night and jump on the bed and do whatever. And uh, we were out on the, they had a, the hotel had a roof deck pool and we're sitting out on the roof deck pool and we were just talking about their lives. Like 
what do you guys want to do when you, you know, when school's not that, you know, college is not that far away. And just listening to them talk about what they wanted to do when they were done with school and when they were moving on. And both, uh, two of them said one is still really close with my daughter. And then my daughter, they were both like, what are you going to do when we're gone? Like you're all by yourself. And I think it was the first moment that I was like, oh, they're like actually worried that I'm not like coupled. Like she didn't want to leave. And then I'm all by myself. And then she's like, no, what do we, you know, now you're all by yourself. And it was, and it was so funny because that night, um, I was in my hotel room and I was just like, I ended up on this, uh, dating app (laughs) and I had, I hadn't put any pictures. I just How many registered them. How glasses and of I, wine in are you? <laughs> oh, for sure. Like at least two to at least two to three uh, uh, vodka tonics were were involved before that yes. profile got created. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and then I fell asleep, and I like woke up the next morning, and it was like so and so met the love of their life on blah blah blah, and I was like screw so and so, and I like took the profile down, and then we had another conversation when we were there because we had I taken them out to dinner, and I made them all dress up, and so walking they're probably like trying to figure out she had like three kids that are the same age they all look completely different <laughs> and we walked through the restaurant but we're all dressed up and everybody followed us when we were walking through their eyes were following us and then one of the bartenders and another waiter came up was hitting on me and they were like see they don't want you to be by yourself let's find you a boyfriend and then that night I got on that website and put my pictures up and that night I pulled up like I normally what I would do is I would uh, get online. I'm like, I'm attractive enough. Like I get online, I mm-hmm. put a p- couple of pictures and see yeah. who messages me and then kind of filter through to find who I, you know, who I was interested in. And what I did is I actually did a search for what I was looking for. Um, some parameters, like I admittedly wanted someone over six foot. My husband's almost six, four. <laughs> and I did a search and the, you know, the search uh, comes up like this and the very top right hand corner was a picture of him. And I was like, that's my husband. I don't know where the plot came from. I don't know where the nothing. And I was just like, that's my husband. And I sent him like a little like flirt chat or whatever. And then we ended up getting on the phone that night. And our first phone conversation was like five hours long. And then it was like, two weeks later, he flew out to see me. And, you know, we broke up, got back together. And, you know, long distance is hard, but I moved here in 2016. And we've been, um, we got married in 2017. So wow. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, (laughs) And now you've got you've got a little boy too. And yeah, it's like you have the family that you were looking for. So yeah. that's so nice. So it never comes in the yeah. It never comes in the package that you want. It never you know comes in the time frame that you want because I think too often we think it's got to look just like this. And yeah. I think once I surrendered to like this is who it's supposed to be, and then let's just see how that looks for us. Um, we're able to create a really create a really beautiful life together. And our little boy is he is feral and he is wild and he <laughs> is so freaking cute, but. Um, he's so much fun and it's fun. It's a, it was a huge shift was not great at co-parenting because never had to do it. So mm-hmm. that was an adjustment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a tough one. I think like, I think too, about when I was younger and you know, coming out of college and stuff and seeing folks that were getting married really young, the thing you're supposed to do is like, you need to go to mm-hmm. college, you meet somebody or whatever. Um, it isn't, it wasn't anything I ever actually wanted. Like when I later I looked back and I said, like, was I supposed to do that? Should I have worked harder to find a relationship? There's nothing I could do to work harder at that. Like what I could have gone on more dating apps or whatever. But um, I'm so glad I didn't have the life that I 
thought I was supposed to, or that I just kind mm-hmm. of was, and I don't think I'm, I'm beholden to society. Like, I think I'm a pretty freewheeling person, but there are these like markers that you see and I didn't fit into them anywhere in there. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad it didn't work out that way. And yeah, I have a friend who she is a single mother now and she has her um, mother and brother live nearby when her mom's with her her brother's really close nearby. And she always talks about being in an orca pod. And that, <laughs> and that she has her orca pod, she has her support system. And she's like, if I find somebody who fits into this, great, perfect. All about it. Yeah. Do that. But um, rather than forcing some kind of specific idea of something to find something that works with where you're at and what you're doing, I think is so strong and powerful. No, I do. And I think too, there's also this, like, I think we talked a little bit about it um, when we talked before was there's such a, like when you like, I always, we always joke that my daughter was a community kid. Uh, I come from a really, um, I'm adopted, but I come from the family that raised me. It was a really big Hispanic family and most of them lived in our town. And so when we moved back home from Atlanta uh, to back home to my hometown, she had uncles and cousins and aunts and people that I've known and grown up my, with my whole life there to just pour love into her. And I think when you look at a single mom environment, the best thing that you can do for your babies, whether they're male or female, is give them positive role models that are examples for them to learn from, grow from, you know, to take them out and and show them what the world's supposed to look like and really be somebody that pours into them. And I think the reason why she is who she is, is really very little to do with me, to be honest with you. I don't believe that um, I, 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 of course I have a part in it. I was her only I parent. Think you were but, a pretty good North star. It sounds like, <laughs> but the, everybody around her was loving. Like she got right. just, there was no lack in her life because she didn't have him. I feel like so many of my, my, you know, I have an older brother and a little brother and I have uncles that were really close with her and my dad and I are close. So she always had these really strong male role models that just thought she hung the moon. So she was never lacking that. And I think um, there isn't, I don't think family has to look a certain way. I really don't, especially as someone who's adopted, I think beautiful people can come from whatever environment they grow in. And when people are judgmental of single moms or different decisions, I think um, if you sat down and listened to why these circumstances happen for people, um, if you choose kindness, then you don't have to be judgmental. You can just let people live their lives. Yeah. So. So you had a lot of family around, but who was your main, who were your main orcas? Who, um, who were the folks you relied on the most? Well, when I lived in Atlanta, um, I was actually, I actually worked for Best Buy and I literally created kind of my own community with my really good friends there. Uh, so that was our, that was our orca community back then. I was probably one of the older ones. I was the only one that had kids, but like my guy friends would literally go like, oh, you're working late. So like they'd take her to the mall. They're like, she's better than a puppy. I met so many girls and I was like, I'm hanging out <laughs> with my friend's little daughter and taking her for ice cream. And so I got really good at finding beautiful people to have in her life. And then my, my kind of long-term orca was my parents. They were really kind of the, 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 the foundation of what we spent the most time with. And they, you know, they've, she was, I was 21 when I had her. So they were pretty young when she was born. And so she's kind of, you know, she's like an extension of the fam. 
And it's, it's cool to see. I remember the very first Christmas, my brother was like, I don't know what we did before she was here. I was like, Christmas was definitely not really this fun. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was not. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think too, that not to knock on traditional relationships, but I, you know, I, I think that this way of life really does make you work hard to give your kid a well-rounded, like it's such an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think back to, I was homeschooled um, between sixth grade and high school graduation. And mm-hmm. if you can't tell, I'm a social butterfly. I had to find situations to be social in. I did theater, I did dance. Uh, my mom was amazing. She like put together homeschool dances for us. We had 60 kids at one of them. And I mean, this was back oh my in 2002 gosh. when it really wow. wasn't as, as prolific as it is now. And I always tell people like, I didn't make friends based on convenience. I made friends with people because I had genuine interest in spending time with them. And I was genuinely wow. meeting them in environments that suited me. And that's probably why I'm the way I am now. It's probably why I'm so comfortable in this environment and creating this life that I'm happy and thrilled with. And everything that you just said kind of resonated with me in that same way of like, you you gave your kid a, a, such a beautiful community because you had to and yeah. the kudos to you on that no i think i think it is an um it's not as scary as everybody says i think had i been more financially secure uh, i would not have had a lot of the struggles that i had um being really young i was a high school dropout so i definitely kind of came into it not in the greatest of situations but it's despite all of that, she turned out to be like the literal best human. And so I'm like, it was all worth it. (laughs) How do your kids get along? There's a big age Um, gap. (laughs) Oh yeah. 19 years is a little, there's a little (laughs) bit of an age gap. I, he, she comes out. So we were there home. We were home for Christmas and I, he's, he is um, nonverbal. He's, um, he is uh, um, diagnosed with autism Mm. about six or eight months ago. And so he's not, verbal in terms of like he's gonna like hey big sister but he's it's so interesting their dynamic because she'll always I mean she's got a good job so she buys him all the good toys like you know she bought him like this freaking fire truck that was like the loudest thing in the world she would sit in my office and push the buttons I was like it was horrible I was like you don't even love me that you buy this (laughs) toy for him like what are you doing but they have like she'll buy these cozy things. Like one of them, when I was actually pregnant, she bought this little monkey that you can warm, warm it up in the oven oh, or in, in the microwave. That's if you've seen it, it's like, it's got like beans in their yeah. tummy and it's got like uh, aromatherapy in it. She bought him one of those when he, when I was pregnant and that is his cozy. We've had to swap it cause he like chews on it and it gets gross. And so we have to swap it out with a new right. one, but every toy that she's gotten him, that's like a cozy that becomes his cozy. Yeah. And it's really interesting how everybody will give him all these different things, but he gravitates to the things from big sister and he doesn't even necessarily know it comes from her. And so there's this really cool connection with them that one, it's really fun to watch. And two, we were joking tonight. It's like, she's going to end up being kind of, there was a, there, we were out at dinner and there was a, a, a big sister and a little brother that were sitting in the table behind us. Of course, I'm like, you know, being nosy, listening to the conversation because <laughs> they were telling the waitress that he had just gotten accepted to some uh, colleges. He's graduating from high school and she was taking him out to um, out back to just to celebrate wh- what he was doing. And I was like, that's going to be like, 
my daughter and, um, and, and squish. And my husband's like, yeah, it's like, you know, she, there's such an age gap that she's going to, he's going to always have somebody that's going to be able to like be there for him forever because she's so much, she was, she's so much older than him. How, um, I mean, how wild is it? Cause she is nearly, she's nearly the same age you were when you had her. Yeah. So what, I mean, that must be a real sort of, uh, forgive me for saying, but mind fuck to watch. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And every time I tell people, they're like, oh, you must like, that's crazy. You were done. And the thing was that I knew I wanted to have a baby with somebody. Like I wanted to like, like be in love. Like I want to know what it's like to mm-hmm. have somebody that wants to go to appointments with me and is like excited to go baby shopping and all of those things. And so getting to experience that with somebody that I love, that is literally the best dad I could have ever freaking picked um, is such a cool blessing, but getting to, for, for her to get to see that healthy dynamic as well. Like she saw me healthier, single and happy. And then now she gets to see me healthy and happily married. And I think those are really beautiful for her to get to see. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're still providing her with guidance. Like it doesn't stop when they're, you know, 18, like it keeps going. And I think that's so, Mm -hmm. so beautiful. I'm like changing diapers and giving like, you know, career life decisions to my 24 year old, almost 23, 24 year old. It's, it's, it, it is absolutely a mind fuck. Um, but it's so much fun and I'm such a different mom now than I was back then for her. Yeah. So it's cool to, to know I'm a better mom for everybody than I was yeah. back then. That's, but I mean, that, that's, that's how we are as, I mean, as humans though, we keep hopefully growing and, and, uh, enhancing. <laughs> yes, that's the goal. Yeah. 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 We, <laughs> hope, we hope. Um, when did you, did you have a period of time when she was growing up where you saw it, where you looked and you saw her and I mean, maybe you never had this moment, but did you ever have like a light bulb moment where you were like, she's going to be okay? Yeah. Uh, there was a couple different moments. So she, there was, this was like seventh grade and we had just gotten over like some bully situations at school. Um, and Uh, she was the bully. So we had to deal with that. (laughs) Uh, But it was really also, I was literally telling a girlfriend about this today. Like part of what I learned at that time is that that was, she was learning from me how to behave and what I was, Mm -hmm. how I was behaving was not attractive. And so she was learning that. And so one, it was a gut check for me to get myself together. And two, it was an opportunity for us to sit down and and talk through why that behavior is there. Um, And then now I forgot the question that you asked me. When did you see? When did you see that this was a success story that she was? So, oh yeah. So, like shortly after that, uh, there was a little girl that was getting bullied on Facebook, and she messaged her directly, and she was like, "Hey, I just wanted to tell you, like, not everybody hates you. Like, if you want somebody to sit with, like, I'll sit with you. Like, I got to see the here's where we messing up." Here's where I'm messing up. Here's where I need to adjust my behavior. Here's you adjust your behavior. And then here's how we need to behave. And then getting to watch the application of it. And she was like, oh, wow. And there was that, that one was a big moment. And then there was another one where she was, she was in high school and she wanted to apply for this position or this, this role in the play. It was like the lead in some one in one of the plays and she, I guess some of the, the bigger roles, they're like, you have to be in there for a certain amount of time or you got to kind of pay your dues. And she was 
literally perfect for this role. And we had gone out to dinner with my dad and we were sitting there and she was like, I really want whatever the role is. I can't remember the name of the role. And she was like, I want to ask her. And I was like, we'll do it. And she was like, but what if she says no? I was like, what if she says no? But what if she says yes? And she did it. And it was like that. I feel like kind of unlocked for her. Like, it's okay if it doesn't work out, but if you want something, you got to at least get yourself in there and see what happens. And uh, I joke that I made her a little too fearless because she's a cop and squat and all of the things. (laughs) Um, But it's, you know, the world is not kind and the world is, you know, uh, kind of a rough place to be. And so she's, she's very solid and and um, there was another, there's one I actually will tell you because this was literally just recently. Uh-huh. So she graduated from the academy and I flew home. It was during COVID. So they had like a big COVID um, outbreak at the graduation. So it wasn't like the full uh-huh. production. Yeah. Um, but I had flown home and I was taking her to this really beautiful speakeasy steakhouse that we love. And we took an, uh, an Uber over there so we could both have some drinks. because She's old enough to drink, which is still weird. <laughs> uh, and we're, we got back to her house and she lives in this really um, cute little two bedroom, one bathroom house. And we weren't in the house 15 minutes. We had gotten changed and we're, uh, I was walking into my bed, the bedroom I was staying in and she brings in this tomahawk and she's like, here, just keep this by your head, by your bed. Cause you know, New Mexico is kind of crazy. And I was like, okay, that's random. And so I like, put it by the bed. And then she went uh, across to her room and I'm laying there and I hear just pop, 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 pop. You just heard like a whole series of gunshots. And I was like, and it was close. And I remember thinking, holy shit. And she comes in like, and I'm, I'm like, I could feel my adrenaline going because it was that close. And she walks and she's like, okay, mom. She's like, I don't know where those are coming from. Can you go ahead and turn the kitchen light off? Like, this is literally the tone she's talking to me. in. she, she turns on her, um, her, uh, radio and she logs into the system to see where the, the shots were at, Right. got her gun, loaded it, gave me the other gun was, and I'm just sitting here. Like I am a grown mom. And she was so chill. And I'm like, even in this environment, she's going to be okay. Because I literally got to see her tone, demeanor, all of it, absolute calm, just hearing all these gunshots. And I was like, okay, we're going to, she's going to be okay. Like, oh my gosh, she's going to be okay. Which was terrifying for me. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm freaking out. Maybe rent somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, seriously. And it's, I mean, New Mexico, unfortunately is, is got a lot of bad pockets. It's, it's Mm. a pretty high crime uh, city. But she, you know, she loves what she does and she's really good at it. So I just got to be supportive and, and cheer her on. Right. So you live pretty far away now because you're in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. We really, I just literally just got off the phone with her. She's coming out here to go see a, a comedy concert in April. Mm. So I'll get to see her soon. Yeah. How often do you guys see each other? Or how often are you traveling? Um, At least three to four times a year. Okay. Uh, during COVID, we didn't get to because she was actually a first responder at the time. Oh and with a little brother that has a heart condition, we literally didn't see each other for about two and a half years, which was uh, absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah, that was that that one broke me yeah. pretty much. That well, was really, really hard. Obviously, thank, I mean, thank her on behalf of everybody. <laughs> like, that's yeah. like, absolutely wonderful what she's doing, what she's done and given. Yeah. Um, as, cool. as I draw this into a close here, I mean, you, I've given you my story, you know, where I'm at, we had a lot of time to talk in between panels, but do you have any yeah. advice? Like, what should I be prepared for? I'm starting IVF. That- uh, this next cycle is when I will start preparing for it. Mm. So it's coming up. 
I'm all, you know, I'm going to be like in your DMs, be like, oh my gosh, what's yeah. going on? I want yeah. all the tea. Yeah. And Michael. Is um, it a boy or a girl so that I can send you a, a picture or a, get, get you guys a gift? Um, if it's a girl, it's going to be something sparkly, just full disclosure. That's how I roll. If it's a boy, it should be something sparkly too. I mean, that's oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not objected to that either. <laughs> um, yeah. Michael is coming uh, on Sunday and oh, wow. he's going to, he's going to be freezing. So. That's so exciting. So yeah, I'm here for any advice anybody has to give. I think the thing of almost 24 years of being a mom and doing a lot of things really well and doing things uh, horribly wrong in other situations, I think the most beautiful gift you can give them is honesty. Mm. Because I think and honesty, not in like an oversharing uh, aspect, but apology and honesty, because I think too often, as parents, it's always the do as I say, not as I do, or, you know, just because I said so, like, you they're, they're going to learn from what you do, not what you tell them. And so anytime she was doing something that was difficult, like it was literally a a moment where I had to sit with myself and go, okay, what am I mirroring that I'm getting to see back from my behavior? And especially in babies, like, uh, the, the more peaceful you are, the more happy you are, like, there is just an environment that grows for them that, you can't, you can't replicate that. And being able to, one of the things my daughter's always like, you always like, it doesn't matter what she's doing. doesn't matter where she's at. doesn't matter what she looks like. I'm just like, you're the most beautiful. You're the most smart. You're the most, you know, because the world will do enough to tell them that they're not. And so I think one of the things that I did really well was build her up to the point that no one was going to be able to break her. And she knew who she was. She was strong in her beliefs and she was really, um, she knew that serving others and being a good person was important. Right. Um, and so I think as a mom, um, whatever, whatever you do, everything has to be around how do I raise this best, the best human that I can and put them around all different types of people. Mm-hmm. The, the array of people that she has grown up with from me, from the LGBTQ community to every race under the sun. And so she's never looked at the world without that lens. And so it's, and I think every single person that was different from who we were poured something a little different into her. And I think that's such a beautiful blessing for them. Um, and I think it's just freaking have fun. I yeah. think <laughs> the two, I, I was, it's, it's cool to get to do this now. Um, but one of the things that I, I am acutely aware of even with my son at five is there's going to be like, there's going to be a last night that he doesn't want to be rocked to bed. Mm -hmm. And so even on the nights when life is a little crazy, um, I try to always make time during the week to at least have a couple of nights that I'm rocking him to bed because it really is so wild. Everybody's always like, Oh, you know, it goes fast. But like, once you're in it, you're like his birthday's in five uh, in in next month. And it's going to be five. And I'm like, where did five years go? Yeah. And on one hand, it feels like a lifetime. And then the other hand, it's like, he was just a baby like four days ago. Like yeah. what is happening? Well, I mean, t- um, the way that time shifts, the older you get, like I did a lot of babysitting when I was a kid, I was the neighborhood babysitter and yeah, those kids just felt like babies forever. And I remember getting kind of like burnt out on like the laying on the floor and playing with toys and like, how long does it take to get them to sleep? And it, it all seemed to be like such a, a permanent spot is like they are children who don't want to go to bed and that's who they are and that's where we're at and like that same baby now is she's out of college I don't know where she's at I don't want to look up 
online because it's kind of horrifying to know that she's no. old now. But uh, you know, my my nephew was born during COVID and he is turning four this year in just a few months. And yeah. I I love spending time with my nephew and doing the absolute most mundane things. And I know it's like I have the luxury of just being around him when he's fun and not when he's throwing his tantrum. Yeah, you're like, oh, have your kid back. <laughs> uh, but he's such a gentle little soul. And I love, like, cleaning up his toys with him. And I love reading him another book. And I love, like, all of those moments. And he was just a baby, like, last week. And now he's yeah. not. And I think that was another reason I was like, I got to do this because it is fleeting. It's gone so fast. And so uh, that's why it's not even like a, it's different than a biological clock ticking. I mean, I guess it is, but it's just ticking in a way I didn't expect. So no, I, yeah. I get it. And I can totally resonate with the thought of like getting married. Wasn't really my thing. Like I was like you, I was like, I want to have like nine babies and live in Parkwood. That's like I told my parents. My dad was like, well, where's your husband? I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a husband. He was like mortified, absolutely mortified. So I think um, being a mom is literally of all the things I get to do. And I love being a CEO. I love owning a company. I love having a whole team. But being a mom is like, what? there's nothing like it. And I think, you know, it's not everybody's path. But when you know that it's your path, like it is there there's nothing to explain the moment that you get to see your baby. And like the minute you like your heart will just melt into a puddle and I don't think it ever goes back. Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's yeah. just, I think it just lives outside of your body. If you are called to it, you should do it. And if you're not called to it, you shouldn't do it. I think that's the other, yeah. the flip side of that coin. Cause I've seen a lot of people who don't want to be parents who are, and it's <sighs> troubling. So yeah. I think that is just as important a story as to say, like, if you don't want to do it, that's okay. Cause there are people who do and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll raise the good ones. Well, before you go, yeah. what would you like yes. to plug? What do you do? Where can people find you? <sighs> um, the easiest place to find me is either Instagram or Facebook. Um, all same name, Gabby Garland, G A B I Garland. Uh, I, so like I said, I do own a podcast production company. Uh, I do have a me season program, which is literally the six month framework that got me from uh, a girl that was fighting in the bars uh, being messy, getting drunk, being uh, really embarrassing in public and in private um, to somebody that is really happy, really confident, really whole as a human. And so I'm really excited about that program. I have a group that's going right now. The next one starts actually in March and um, podcast production. The thing that I don't think I knew, and and I know you probably can resonate with this too, is there is so much peace to being able to just own your story and stand in it. And I think too often as women, um, if our story doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like, people look at us a certain type of way. And so getting to help women create beautiful podcasts that are able to let them share their story, their expertise, and all the things that they do in the world is such a huge blessing. And my team and I love it. And so um, even if it's just getting on some of the podcasts, like I tell people like I of all the things I've ever done in my life, and I've had a pretty cool career, um, being a podcast producer and getting to do the work that I do with women is like it's everything. It's, it's, it's a gift to get to do what I get to do. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> thank you so much, Gabby, for joining. And uh, no, thank yeah. you. Everybody check out, check out your shit. Just
<laughs> Thank you, lady. It was great to talk to you. The Backup Plan is created, produced, and hosted by me, Meredith Kate. Julian Hagens is my co-producer. You can find us on social media at Backup Plan Pod. The best place to get updates is to sign up for our newsletter at BackupPlanPod.com, where we also post all episodes, show notes, and transcripts. Thank you for listening.